0: All right. G'day, mates. And uh, the reason for our little down-under greeting is the first thing I want to announce is our friend Carol Ann Fletcher, who uh, joins us on a regular basis via PalTalk, had a birthday recently. So, uh, Carol Ann, if you're out there, she is. Titus is shaking her head. Uh, happy birthday to you. So,
1: Happy birthday, mate.
0: Okay, just a couple of quick notes. Uh, this Wednesday we will have our regular scheduled uh, Deacons business meeting. And, of course... Um, uh, reminder for Bill's vacation so we will have class uh, July 25th and then uh, Bill's gonna go back home and spend some time with his family and then we will resume classes on August 8th so mark that down in your calendars and uh, let's see here one final item is uh, some of you are aware our friend Don McKinney uh, suffered a slight stroke here just last week and he asked me to pass along to you to just have patience and so forth he, it's affecting his left side And uh, he didn't want to have to explain it 50 times. So, Don, we're thinking and praying for you and and give him grace and so forth while he heals. So with that, now we need to prepare ourselves to hear what the Spirit has to say to us this morning. And by doing so, we take a moment of silent prayer prayer, to allow each one of us to privately confess any known sins to the Father. Uh, So with every head bowed and every eye closed, let us pray. Heavenly Father, we give thanks to you for this day that we may assemble together as fellow members of the body of Christ and study your almighty word. We give thanks for every individual you've led to your service here this morning. Those among us in the chapel, those listening on the internet, and for anyone who may hear this message at a later date. Thank you for our current study of Romans. We pray this service draws us closer to you and that you open our hearts and minds that we may hear what the Spirit has to say to us this morning. May we take what we have learned and apply it to our daily lives. Challenge us to extract our spiritual nourishment and to grow in grace and knowledge of our Savior. We ask that you continue to bring us wisdom and give us strength and perseverance in our trials. Help each one of us to learn in the liberty of your grace, freeing us from legalism, works, and fears attacking us daily, always keeping you in thought and prayer, bringing glory to you. Thank you for providing us with every spiritual blessing. We thank you for the precious gift of your Son, providing us forgiveness of our sins and our so great salvation. We also give thanks for the ministry of the Holy Spirit, serving as our mentor and teacher, and bringing your word alive for us. Thank you, Father, for the blessings and answered prayers of this ministry. Thank you for the provisions of this building in which to meet on a consistent basis. We also give thanks for the individuals you have raised up in their positive volition to this doctrinal ministry, giving of their time, talent, and treasure. Continue to open doors of opportunity for this ministry to proclaim the gospel message to the world. Thank you for the gift of our pastor and his faithfulness and dedication to teaching your word. Supply him his spiritual and temporal needs. Grant him encouragement through your word. Offer him protection from the attacks of the enemy. And give grace to him that your message is spoken with accuracy and clarity, delivering your full counsel. We thank you for the blessings and privileges we have in the United States. We pray for our leaders, our president, vice president, and cabinet members. Give them wisdom, moral courage, and conviction in leading this nation according to your will. Thank you for the men and women in military service. Give them each courage, strength, and knowledge to fight the battle abroad, keeping our nation safe, knowing you are in full control. Thank you for those providing local services, such as law enforcement, firefighters, and EMTs, and others who commit to our safety and security here at home. We pray for those who may be experiencing trials and tribulations at this time, whether it's health, financial, or anything that may be troubling. Lead them to your word for comfort and to continue forward in faith. Father, allow each one of us to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit's guidance and direction. Let us be thoughtful and considerate and do nothing to disturb or distract those who are serious students of the word of God. Father, we thank you for who and what you are. May honor and glory be yours. We offer you these prayers upon the merits of Christ, aware of being in union with him and seated at your right hand. In his glorious name we pray. Amen. Would you please rise?
2: Lord, prepare me to be a sanctuary, pure and holy, tried and sure. I'll be your living sanctuary. thought that I was all alone, broken and afraid, but you were there with me, yes, you were there with me. And I didn't even know that I lost my way, but you were there with me, yes, you were there with me. You opened up my eyes I never knew That I couldn't ever Make it without you Even though the journey Is long And I know the road Is hard with the one who's gone before me He will help me To carry on After all that I've Been through now I realize that truth That I must go through the valley To stand upon the mountain of God As I travel along the road You have let me down You are here with me Yes, you are here with me I have need for nothing more Oh, now that I have found that you are here with me Yes, you are here with me I confess from time to time I lose my way But you're always there to bring me back again Even though the is long And I know the road is hard the one who's gone before me You help me to carry on After all I've been through Now I realize the truth That I must go through the valley To stand upon the mountain of God Sometimes I think of where it is I've come from and the things I've left behind But of all I've had What i possess, Nothing can quite compare With what's in front of me With what's in front of me Yeah Even though the road is long And I know the road is hard With a one for me You will help me to carry on After all that I've been you do And now I'll be the last word you I must go through the valley To stand upon the mountain I must go through the valley To stand upon the mountain I thought that I was all alone, broken and afraid, but you are here with me, yes, you are here with me. Prep school, you guys are going.
1: uh, Good morning to all of you. Could you turn your Bibles to the book of Romans? Romans chapter 15, verse 29. Romans chapter 15, verse 29. Thank you, Eric, for doing the slides and and Trent and doing the opening prayer prayer as well and announcements. And Titus back there doing the sound. And uh, good morning to all of you. And we're going to uh, continue uh, forward with our study of the book of Romans. We're right near the end of chapter 15 and then we just have one more chapter to do and we're out of the book of Romans and... And uh, we'll do the book of Jonah after that. So we should be at Romans chapter 15, verse, verse 29. This morning we're going to note verses 29 and 30 of this particular chapter. And as we'll see in Romans 15, 29, Paul informs the Roman believers that he knew for certain that, that when the Holy Spirit permitted him to enter into the company of the Roman believers, he would enter in the state of possessing abundant blessing, which is produced by Christ through him, by the power of the Holy Spirit. So in this verse, we're going to see that the Holy Spirit made it clear to the Apostle Paul that he would be entering into the company of the Roman believers. He would get to Rome, and the book of Acts records that. In the very last chapter, it shows Paul getting into Rome, but he went there as, as a, as a uh, prisoner. He was uh, under uh, house arrest, and he was awaiting his appeal before Caesar. So that is how he got to Rome. So this verse, again, Paul's going to uh, tell his readers that he knew for certain that when the Holy Spirit permitted to him to enter into the company of the Roman believers, he would enter in the state of possessing abundant blessing which is produced by Christ through him by the Spirit. So what we're saying here, as we'll see in this verse, is that when he teaches the Word of God, the abundant blessing or the fullness of the blessing of Christ, as we'll see in your Bibles, is talking about the spiritual benefit that Paul will convey to the Roman believers when he teaches the Word of God. Remember, he's a communicator of the Word of God. The apostles, evangelists, pastor-teachers, prophets were communication gifts that were given to the church. So, Uh, Different men have the gift of uh, apostleship. They have all gone home to be with the Lord. And then we have uh, the gift of prophets. They no longer exist because we have the completed canon of Scripture. There's no more need for them. But the evangelists were given to add to the number of the body of Christ. Evangelists go to the unsaved. And the pastor teacher, they go to the, the congregation, the body of Christ. And that gift is essential for your spiritual growth. So he mentions this actual, this spiritual benefit blessing that the Roman believers would receive when he communicated the gospel to them in a face-to-face manner when he got to Rome. And he mentions that in chapter 1, as we'll see here this evening. But look at Romans chapter 15, verse 29, please. Romans 15, 20. Paul says, I know that when I come to you, I will come in the fullness, fullness of the blessing of Christ. Now, that verse is actually advancing upon and intensifies Paul's statement in verse 28 in the sense that it says more about his visit to Rome because it expresses his confidence that he will enter into the company of the uh, of the Roman believers, possessing abundant blessing which is produced by Christ through him. But if you look at verse 28, I'll show you what I'm t- uh, talking about. If you look at Romans 15, 28, he says, Therefore, based upon what he said in verses 22 through 27, when I have finished this, delivered the gift that the, the Gentile believers in Macedonia and Achaia had given to the Jewish believers that were poor in Jerusalem, when I have finished this and have put my seal on this fruit of theirs, Fruit talks about it's a, it's a reward, it's going, to, it's going to be a spiritual blessing to the believers in Macedonia and Achaia because they gave this gift to the Jewish believers in Jerusalem that were poor. It's considered to be fruit or spiritual, uh, it's going to end up in rewards at the Bema Seat for them. So he says, I want to make sure that that's safely delivered. So he says in verse 28 again, Therefore, when I finish this and I put my seal on this fruit of this. I will go on by way of you to Spain. So his ultimate destination is Spain, which was the the further uh, the west as you could go in the Roman Empire. It was the end of the known world at that point. So he said, I'm going to go there. And then he says in verse 29, that statement in verse 29 is giving us more information about what he means, what he says in verse 28, that he's going to go uh, uh, to the Roman believers on the way to Spain. He'll stop off there. So he says in verse 29, I know that when I come to you, I will come in the fullness of the blessing of Christ. Now, one of the benefits of going back to the original language is that we get a clearer understanding of what Paul said under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. When we look at the word, I know, what kind of knowledge are we talking about? Well, the knowledge that Paul's talking about with the Greek word is a certainty. See, you couldn't tell that by the English translation. But in the Greek-speaking individual, the one who read this letter... They would understand there's different words for knowledge. There's, there's one word that talks about acquiring knowledge, and there's another knowledge which means that you're certain of all the facts. So when he says, I know here, he's saying, I'm certain that I'm gonna visit Rome. So he said, this phrase, I know, indicates that Paul was certain that visiting Rome was in the will of the Father for him. And that he was being assured by the Holy Spirit that he would in fact visit Rome. Now we, we went over this in our study of prayer. I've touched on it before. It's in the book on prayer. But how do you know the will of the Father? Well, the primary way you know the will of the Father is knowing your Bible. So that's one of the benefits of sitting under your pastor, the teacher, and learning the Scriptures in a systematic fashion the way you do. Because that's going to, that knowledge of the Word of God is going to give you understanding of the Father's will. Because the Father communicates His will primarily through the Holy Spirit in the teaching of the Word of God. Now, the other way is through godly people. People who are in fellowship with God that are going to give you godly advice. And then there's circumstances. Circumstances are there to speak to you and me. And, you, you, it's, and when you become... Uh, if you, as you grow in the, in the spiritual life and advance the spiritual maturity to Christ-likeness, you become more and more sensitive to certain situations and things that people say in circumstances. And that's what Paul would do. But primarily it would become through revelation to him from God directly as to what his, the will of the Father was for him. Paul would never move. Paul would never move or do anything without prayer and, and the Holy Spirit telling him to do whatever he was supposed to do. So that, word, that phrase, I know, it's talking about Paul's certainty that he was going to visit Rome and that it was in the will of the Father for him. Now, when he says, when I come to you, I know that when I come to you, when I come to you describes Paul's certainty that when he does enter into the company of the Roman believers... He's going to come with the fullness of the blessing of Christ. I will come indicates that it's going to come to pass in the future. It's a prediction. A lot of people say, did Paul get to uh, to Spain? Yes, he did get to Spain. Because he said, I'm going to get to Spain by way of Rome. And the book of Acts records that he did get to Rome. So at the time when he wrote this, he hadn't obviously got to, uh, got to uh, Rome. He hadn't visited the Roman believers yet. This particular phrase, I will come, is basically a prophecy. Because at the time he wrote that, he had never visited the Roman believers. This phrase, I will come, says, I'm, it's going to come to pass. It's going to take place that I'm going to enter into your company. And when I do come into your company, I will come in the fullness of the blessing of Christ. So that's important here. So we see that Paul, how did he have this certainty? The Holy Spirit had told him. And the, always remember about the Holy Spirit. He will never, ever, 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 ever tell you something that contradicts the Bible. Because he inspired the scriptures, he will never so therefore, when somebody tells you something and it doesn 't jive with what you know of the Bible, I, I would be very cautious of listening to what the person says. You listen to it, but you 've got to what they say they have to it has to be based upon. Biblical pr- principle. See, one of the things that we need is discernment. And as we grow in God's word and become more knowledgeable of it, we gain in discernment. So that we can discern... Like, for instance, uh, we find it all the time when, uh, with, uh, when it comes to the, the subject of marriage. You know, should I marry this person? Should I go with this person? And, uh, you know, a lot of people would... Uh, you know, I had, a, I had a friend and he... Had, this friend of mine... I had a friend. So this friend of mine, he was uh, going to marry this woman... Who he ended up divorcing, anyways, was a, it was. He went on for 15 years. It was it was a mess. But he, what happened was, I remember at the time, he was talking about doing that, and I was uh, thinking about with the girl I was dating, and I said, I can't marry this girl because she doesn't love the Lord. And my Bible would, my Bible is telling me I should never ever. First of all, I need to marry a believer. I'm not going to marry an unbeliever, and I'm certainly it makes no sense to be marrying somebody that doesn't love the Lord. So what? Because they're not going to encourage me in my walk. So I said, so I said to the person, I, I think I'm going to end up breaking up with the girl I'm going out with. And so he went ahead and married. And I, I knew that she didn't come to Bible class with him. She didn't, uh, she didn't really encourage him in his walk with God, yet he married her anyways for other reasons. So there's a, there's a point there where he, she, he was not listening to the Spirit and not listening to the Word of God because the Holy Spirit would never tell him. To go marry somebody who wasn't going to encourage him. Now, if you're married and somebody's not positive, and you are, the Bible says to hang in there. First Corinthians seven tell, says that, and pray for the individual. And you never know by your godly conduct you might lead some that person to the Lord. And I've seen it happen a million times. Now, in the fullness of blessing of Christ, look at verse 29 again. This is the crux of the verse here. He says, "I know that when I come to you, I will come." in the fullness of the blessing of Christ. What does that mean? Well, that phrase, in the fullness of the blessing of Christ, it means that Paul possesses the abundant spiritual blessing. The word fullness in the original means abundant. He, and the word blessing talks about a spiritual blessing of benefit. So Paul's saying, when I come to you, when I get into your presence, I'm going to possess abundant spiritual blessing or a benefit which the gospel produces in the sense that it would endue the Romans with divine power. When Paul communicates it to them, and when applied, it would reproduce the character of Christ in their lives, i.e. the fruit of the Spirit. So he's saying, the information I'm going to give you, I have this gift, i got a communication gift, and when I come to you, I'm going to bless you. See, that's what God does with, does with the pastor-teacher. The he takes the man of the gift of pastor-teacher, and he blesses the congregation through the man. How? Through teaching the Word of God. The Word of God is the greatest thing that you and I have. It's the greatest heritage we could pass on to our children. The greatest thing you could ever do for your children because wherever the Word of God goes, there comes blessing. Look at history. Look at history. History bears it out. We see America. Who propagates the teaching of the Word of God more than the United States of America? Nobody propagates the teaching of the Word of God more than the United States of America. Who's one of the wealthiest nations in the world? Who's got the most prosperity? United What do you think the Muslim nations they're in poverty, destitution why is that? because they're not they, they exclude the gospel from being preached in those nations Muslims Muslim nations that are controlled by Islam they do not allow the gospel to be preached in fact, United states servicemen i 've talked to in Saudi Arabia have ever been over there you 've got to be very careful about your Christianity over there they don 't want to hear about it and they 're offended by it so we see that wherever the word of God goes though. It brings blessing. it brings blessing. And so this is what Paul saying I, the application for us is that the blessing, I'm, I'm, I'm to convey to you the Word of God, which is a blessing. It gives you the power to deal with anything in life. You know th- 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 we, can have, we have choices in life, even as believers. We could we could take with what the, uh, the Word of God and apply it in our lives, or we could do what the rest of the world does and react and use defense mechanisms. Or we could apply God's word. And it takes practice to apply God's word. Being a Christian and growing up to be, to be spiritually mature, it doesn't happen in a year or two years. And not even, sometimes not even 10 years or 15 years. Everybody's different. It is a long process. So the more you hear the word of God, the more you are blessed. And you'll never ever, I mean, you'll really appreciate it when you go through adversity. You'll never, you'll never appreciate your relationship with God ...more than when you go through adversity. Whether it's a health situation, a financial situation, a, a certain personal crisis, a marriage problem... Uh, ...whatever it is, uh, you'll, you'll, never, you'll never appreciate it more as when you go through those adversities. And then you realize how wonderful is the Word of God. You know, one of the great encouragement to me here is when I do hear from people... ...and they, they talk to me and say, you cha- you're teaching, they're not saying I did, it's the Word of God... But I understand what they're saying. It's the teaching of the Word of God that changes their life. That's, that, you know, that, that's what Paul said to, uh, to the Corinthians. And the Corinthians were saying, well, what are your credentials, Paul? And Paul said, you're my credentials. Some of you have been benefited from my ministry, he said to them. And that's the, one of the things, you know, uh, that it's a great encouragement is that to see that the Word of God that I'm con- communicating is changing the lives of people. See, my whole thing is God talks to me in the Word of God and I try to give it back to you. I try to give back to you what God said to me. And sometimes we get it and sometimes we don't. But later on we might get it when we don't get it now. So everything fits together like a puzzle. But th- the Word of God gives you the power to face anything in life. And so the 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 the, 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 pastor, the teacher, along with the gift of apostleship, evangelists, and prophets, were designed to bless the body of Christ. Hold your place. Look at Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1, please. Look at Ephesians four, one Ephesians chapter four, verse one. So, the, 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 the communication of the Word of God is the most valuable thing you have because the most important thing is that we have to do in life is to grow up to become like Christ. See, a church has, church has two different roles to do. One is in relation to the unbeliever, is to get the gospel out. In whatever way possible, in your personal periphery, through missionary activity, whatever it is, that's what we're supposed to do. The other thing is, as individuals and as a church, we are to grow up to become like Christ. And that's very important. Because the more we grow up to become like Christ The more blessing that we give to our nation Our families our, our counties Our towns Our church Because what does fruit do in the natural realm? Fruit fruit is a blessing to people It's a blessing to us Now, spiritual fruit The Christ-like character that God produces in us That's a blessing to other people as well So that's the most important thing for us as individuals But Paul talks about growing up to be spiritually mature and it's all based upon the spiritual blessing, the benefit that the pastor communicates, or the, in Paul's day, the apostles and the the pastors. But look at Ephesians four one. He says, "Therefore, I, the prisoner of the Lord, he was incarcerated in Rome when he wrote this, implore you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling with which you've been called." Meaning, live up to your, the fact that you're a Christian. Be like you're, you're a Christian, so act like it. He's saying. With all, and this is how you do it, with all humility. Remember, we saw humility is putting others' interests ahead of yourself. Philippians two verses two and three. With all humility, gentleness, with patience with one another, showing tolerance for one another, and love. That's that's how. Remember, love is what when we operate in love. We will demonstrate all those things. And Paul says in Colossians 3.14 that love will keep us together. It's the perfect bond of unity. So we have to put up with each other. We're going to get on each other's nerves from time to time. The more you stay around each other, it's just like any family in the natural realm. In the spiritual family, that happens as well. But we don't want to be like the natural family sometimes where there's division and bitterness. We We want to have the love of God demonstrated in patience. And that comes from God's love. And when we look at how God treated us in love and patience and tolerance, that gives us the power, the strength to love each other that way too. So then he goes on to say in verse 3, being diligent to preserve the unity of the spirit. Notice diligence, it takes effort. It's hard work in the bond of peace. There is one body, one spirit, just as also you were called, in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. Unity. There it is. Unity is important to God. Jesus in his last words to the church. John 17. Read it when you go home today. I don't have three hours to give you today. Go home. What did he talk about? He prayed for unity. Look at verse 7. But to each one of us, grace was given. That means a spiritual gift. According to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore it says, when he ascended on high, he led captive a host of captives. And he gave gifts to men. Now, this expression, he ascended, what does it mean? Except that he had descended into the lower parts of the earth. He who descended is himself, also he, who ascended far above all the heavens, so that he might fill all things. Now, look what he says. He gave some as apostles. They're all gone now. That gift is no longer around. John was the last one. Some as prophets. They're no longer around. They were used until the, the New Testament was completed. Some is evangelists. They're still around, like Billy Graham, Gary Horton. They go to the, they, their gift is to bring people into the body of Christ. And then it says, some is pastors and teachers. Is actually referring, the Greek tells us it's actually referring to one person, one office, teaching pastors. And then he says, what is it for? Now this is where it comes in, the gift, communicating the word of God is a spiritual blessing or benefit. And here's the benefits that he talks about. Look at verse 12. For the equipping of the saints, what I give you equips you to do God's work, to do God's will. For the equipping of the saints, for the work of service, for Christian service, that gift, I, the things I give you, the word of God, is what you need to grow up to spiritual maturity, to, uh, to, to equip you to serve each other in God, to the building up of the body of, body of Christ, meaning growing up spiritually, being stronger spiritually. So notice that those four gifts in verse 11 are designed to bless us. And what do they do for us? They equip us for the work of service and they build us up spiritually. Then he says, look at verse 13, because what the, the word of God, the thing that we communicate as pastors, it does something. It has an effect until we all attain the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God. How much do you know of Jesus? That's my, my thing is to get you as much knowledge about the Son of God as I can and God's plan, give you everything I can give to you. Give it, pour out my whole heart to you to give you the full counsel of God. To a mature man, to grow up to be spiritual maturity, Christ-likeness. To the measure of the stature which belongs to the fullness of Christ. As a result, and here's the protection. The word of God that I communicate gives us protection from false doctrine. Look, he said, and that's one of the roles that I have as a pastor, is that I'm very observant and I'm very careful about what I don't want people to get involved in false doctrine. You guys are sheep, the Bible says. I'm the pastor; I have to protect you. What do sheep do? They'll run into a lion's den. They'll run off a cliff. They can't feed themselves. They can't do nothing. And what is that? my job as a the word pastor? means a shepherd. So my job is to protect you from wolves in sheep's clothing. Some of them, a lot of them, are on television. And I try to point out, even name individuals, just so I can protect you from that false doctrine. So it says in verse 14, As a result, we're no longer to be children, babies, spiritually, we're to grow up, tossed here and there by waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine. By the trickery of men, by craftiness and deep deceitful scheming, you know what there are a lot of people out there that just want to they, they have deceitful designs out there that call themselves the clergy. There are some out there they look sweet and nice and they have a nice smile and they have a nice suit and they, <laughs> watch out so they have it they, 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 they get their smile at your face, but all the time they 're stabbing you in the back they want to take your money they want to they want to they want to, they want to Give you false doctrine. They want to they, look at look what they do. They charge for their teachings. A lot of these guys, Well, there's guys on the, on television. I, I watch this guy. Just he entertains the heck out of me. It's like, how do you get away with it, all the time? Every he's just every time banging, 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 banging people for money. He never spends any. T- he'd never do something like this. He never would. You know why? Because it doesn't give it doesn't give him three, three, six, uh, six figure salary. You know the word of God. You tell you, you know how your pastor loves you. Peter told Peter was told by the Lord, "If you love me, Peter, you feed my lambs." That's how you know your pastor loves you. You might not you might not like him, but if he's teaching you the Word of God, you know the guy loves you. So there, so there we hear it. One of the benefits, another benefit, that Paul would do when he t- communicated the Word of God to the Romans, which their pastors were already doing in Rome, he would prote- what he taught them would protect them from false doctrine. Look at verse 15, but speaking the truth in love, we're to grow up in all aspects into him who is the head, even Christ. Again, spiritual maturity. That's what you're here here and I'm here, is to grow up to spiritual maturity. That's God's plan. We're not a success if we don't do that. We're not a success in life if we don't grow up to become like Christ. It doesn't matter how much money you have or how many people love you or or, or, what, what you possess None of that means anything at the end of the day. At the end of the day, it's well. Did you, did you grow up to be like my son? That's all Jesus is going to. Do you grow up to be like me? That's all the father cares about. It's spiritual things, and the and God has so designed it that He gets men to communicate the word of God. He gives gifts to men, as we saw, to communicate the word of God, so that you could grow up to spiritual maturity and gain rewards. So I'm so Paul's saying I'm the blessing. I'm a blessing to you. What I, what I give to you, the gospel is a blessing to you because it's going to do all those things for you. It's going to give you the information to equip you to grow up to become like Christ, to serve the body of Christ and protect you from false doctrine. Look at what it says in verse 16. From whom Christ, the whole body, being fitted and held together, by which every joint supplies. The word joint's a metaphor for the pastor. The word supply in the original means abundantly. Then he goes on to say, according to the proper working of each individual part, it causes the growth of the body for the building of itself in love. Now go back to Romans, please. Romans 15, 29. So when Paul says in Romans 15, 29, he says, I know... Romans 15, 29, I know, I'm certain, I know without a doubt that when I come to you, I will come in the fullness of the blessing of Christ. So when he says, in the fullness of the blessing of Christ, he means I possess abundant spiritual blessing or benefit which the gospel produces in that it would endue the Romans with divine power when Paul communicates it to them and when applied, it would reproduce the character of Christ in their lives, the fruit of the spirit. That's why I have I am so blessed by God to have this gift. It's the greatest thing I could ever... I mean, I, it is the greatest thing to have this gift. It's, the, it's a wonderful, wonderful gift to have. And it's, what a great responsibility. I have to give... I'm, I'm responsible to give an account to the Lord for you and what I say you. And believe me, I take that seriously. That's so why I try to be as conscientious as I can because I have to give an answer for you guys, I have to give an account for the way I did my job. And I take that seriously. So, Paul talks about this blessing, this blessing of Christ. He talks about it in Romans 1, 11 and 12. Uh, look on, on the board, my translation. Paul says, "...for I've been, I have been and continue up to the present moment to earnestly desire to visit all of you that I might impart a spiritual blessing." It's, spiritual blessing is, this, is a synonym for what he says in Romans 15, 29, "...a fullness of the blessing of Christ." And then he says that I might impart a spiritual blessing to all of you with the result that all of you might be stabilized and strengthened. It echoes what he said in Roman, uh, Ephesians chapter 4, verses 12 through 16 we just read, so that you wouldn't be tossed around by every wind of doctrine. Then he says in, at the, in verse 12, namely, that is, in order that it might cause me to be encouraged while among all of you by means of each other's faith, both yours and mine. He's saying when I give you the word of God, I'm going to be encouraged not only by the fruit that I'm going to produce among you by sowing the seed of the word of God. But I'm also going to be blessed because you're going to encourage me as you operate in your gift and you, you live the spiritual life yourself. So there's a reciprocation on the part of the pastor in his congregation, he gets encouraged, you get encouraged. He gives you the word of God, you reciprocate, you grow up spiritually, and that's a great blessing to the pastor to see. It's, it's basically giving him encouragement that he's on the right track. Now, although the Roman believers would be blessed or receive a spiritual benefit when Paul communicates the gospel to them, it would also produce blessing for Paul, as I said, in that it would produce fruit for him, and the sense of rewards. Romans 1 13 on the board, Paul says, Now I absolutely do not want all of you to be ignorant, spiritual brothers, that I have often planned to come to all of you, and was prevented so far, in order that I might also produce fruit among you. As I pre- sow, you the wo- sow the seeds of the word of God in you, and you apply it in your life, I get blessed for that. I get rewards. I'm gaining fruit. So it's, my be- it's to my benefit spiritually, and at the Bema Seat, that i see you grow up to spiritual maturity that i see you take in the word of god and apply it and that you know when somebody says hey this done this in my life it's like great good because i'm going to get a reward at the bema seat for that one it gives me it gives me encouragement see god is always trying encouraging us if we could only open our eyes to see it the devil's always trying to discourage us this abundant blessing people or spiritual benefit that the roman believers will receive When Paul communicates the gospel to them, will an actuality be produced by Christ himself? Didn't Paul say this in Romans 15, 18? For you see, I would absolutely never presume at any time to speak of anything except with respect to those things which Christ accomplished for himself through me, resulting in the Gentiles, obeying by word and action. When Paul spoke the gospel, who was talking to him? Christ was. The Spirit was. So what's the application? As the pastor in fellowship with God is teaching you from the Word of God. It's not the pastor. It's Christ. And you never, and if never, ever, ever stay in a church if the Holy Spirit tells you that guy's not Christ is not working through that guy. The Spirit's not working through God. I would never go. You should never stay in one second if that's not the case. But you know it's the case when you see it's benefited you, the ministry. Or you see others benefited then you know because it, it's supernatural I don't have that, I'm not that intelligent Some people try to say like I'm, I'm not smart Christ, the mind of Christ Is what's a genius I'm nothing, I'm just an empty vessel That I'm looking, looking to be filled by God And I'm, I'm, my job is to, to bless you But it's Christ that's working Through the pastor By the power of the spirit That is important to understand So when you come and sit down You have to know that because otherwise, if you, don't think, if you think it's Bill, then you, should not, you know, shouldn't be there. But if Bill's teaching from the Word of God, or whoever your pastor is, and you see him teaching from the Word of God, listen. You better listen. So, the Holy Spirit was given to all of you people, all of you, and myself included, to give us discernment as to who's a false teacher and who's, who's not. Look at First John. Hold your place. I want to show you something. Look at First John chapter four because I was talking to a pastor about something along these lines. Look at first look at first John, near the end of the Bible. First John, not the gospel, but first epistle. First John chapter four verse one. Actually actually look at first John chapter two, excuse me. First John chapter two verse fifteen. Paul says in 1 John 2.15 Do not love the world that's the cosmic system the world system nor the things in the world if anyone loves this world the love of the Father is not in him for all that is in the world the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the boastful pride of life boastful pride of life means you're you're, you're bragging about what you possess you see that on MTV all the time when they they go into the guy's cribs and all that they call that and But, the, but it, he says in verse 16, For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the boastful pride of life is not from the Father, but is from the world. The world is passing away, people. And also it's lust. But the one who does the will of God lives forever. Children, it is the last hour. We are in the last hour, people. Just as you heard that Antichrist is coming. Even now, many Antichrists have appeared. They walk the earth right now. They're false teachers from this we know that it is the last hour. My job is to try to protect you from them. That they went out from us, but they were not really of us. For if they had been of us, they would have remained with us. But they went out so that it would be shown that they are not, all are not of us. Now look at verse 20. But you have an anointing from the Holy One. The anointing talks about the indwelling of the Spirit. You have an anointing from the Holy One and you all know. I have not written to you because you do not know the truth but because you do know it and because no lie is of the truth. Who is a liar? But the one who denies that Jesus is the Christ. Anybody who says that Jesus is not the Christ, they are false teachers. This is the Antichrist, the one who denies the Father and the Son. Whoever denies the Son does not have the Father. The one who confesses the Son has the Father. As for you... Let that abide in you you, what you heard from the beginning, the word of God. If what you heard from the beginning abides in you, you will also abide in the Son and in the Father. Look at first John four one. First John four one, beloved. First John four one, beloved, do not believe every spirit. That means every viewpoint that you hear out in the world. But test the spirits. Now you can't test the spirits unless you know your Bible. That's, that's the information I give you as I educate you about God's plan and the person of Christ and the Spirit and the Son and the plan of God. That will give you discernment. See, the Spirit's got to have something to work with. If you don't put truth in your soul, how is the Spirit going to give you discernment if you don't have truth in your soul? So he says, believe, believe, uh, Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they're from God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. By this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is from God. And every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God, this is the spirit of the Antichrist, of which you heard that it is coming and now it is already in the world. You are from God, little children, and have overcome them, the false prophets, because greater is He who is in you than He who is in the world. They are from the world, therefore they speak as from the world, Satan's cosmic system. And the world listens to them. We're from God. He who knows God listens to us. And he who is not from God does not listen to us. By this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. Hey, the people who are teaching the word of God, they're attacked all the time. You won't see them. You're not going to see them on, on television. The, Satan, who's the God of this world and the prince of the power of the air, he's going to put on somebody who's going to teach what he wants. False doctrine. Now go back to Mr. Romans fifteen twenty-nine, please. So therefore, in Romans 15, 29, Paul's conveying this idea of Christ working through him when he communicates the gospel by the power of the Spirit. Paul says in Romans 15, 29, um, my translation on the board, Indeed, I know for certain that when I'm permitted to enter into the company of each and every one of you, I will, for my own benefit, enter in the state of possessing abundant blessing which is produced by Christ. Now, to summarize what he said in verse 29, Paul reveals that he knew for certain that when the Holy Spirit permitted him to enter into the company of the Roman believers, he's going to enter with it in a state of possessing abundant blessing, the Word of God, the Gospel, which is produced by Christ through him by the power of the Spirit. Now, verse 30 begins the sixth and final paragraph of Romans chapter 15. In this verse, we're going to see that Paul appeals to the Roman believers as his spiritual brother and their common relationship which they share together with the Lord Jesus Christ and on the basis of the divine love produced by the Spirit, to fight together with him by means of their prayers on behalf of him. Look at Romans fifteen thirty. He says, Now I urge you, brethren, by our Lord Jesus Christ and by the love of the Spirit, to strive together with me in your prayers to God for me. I urge you, brethren, it talks about urgency. It indicates that Paul is appealing to the Roman believers on the basis of the common relationship with, with the Lord Jesus Christ that they shared together, and on the basis of the divine love produced by the Spirit, to strive together with him and pray for him. Through our Lord Jesus Christ teaches Paul's readers and us that that Paul's readers were to strive together with him in prayer on the basis of the Lord Jesus Christ and specifically on the basis of the common relationship that they share together with the Lord Jesus Christ. So, the application is, I'm related to you and you are related to me. You believe in Jesus Christ regardless of your denominational background or your non-denominational, whether you're from this church, go to this church, you don't. If you believe in Christ, I am your spiritual brother, and you're my spiritual brother and sister. Forever, forever. So he's saying, based upon that, pray for me. What's the application? Pray for your pastor. If your pastor, if you think your pastor's a nut and a wacko, more more more, thing, more reason to pray for the poor guy if he's a wacko. Okay, pray for him. Paul's saying, pray for me. I need it. Great apostle Paul was new enough. Had enough discernment to know That all great victories Spiritually and as a church Start with prayer Everything begins with prayer Read the book of Acts when you go home today Here's another chapter to read Read the first couple of books of Acts Notice that the church was always praying together What happened? Their numbers grew Something about corporate prayer that does that Their numbers grew They were teaching the word of God They were getting the gospel out They all pivoted around the word of God in prayer that's our spiritual offensive weapons. We studied this past week in Ephesians 6 that the, word of God, the full armor of God, our union with Christ, is our defensive, is to protect us from the enemy. But the Word of God, the sword of the Spirit, and prayer are the offensive weapons that we use. Prayer is like spiritual artillery. Or like the, in the United States, they use the Air Force and they use the Navy. They use the Navy to soften up the underbelly of the enemy. And then what do they do? <laughs> A lot of times they bring in the infantry crush them. That's what prayer does, people. That's what prayer does. Not just as individuals, but as a church. He's telling the Roman believers to pray as a church. Pray as a corporate unit for me. And this prayer was answered. He got to to Rome. He was delivered from the disobedient in Judea. And the gift that he he presented to the poor Jewish believers in Jerusalem was accepted by the Jewish church. So their prayers were answered. Prayer does work. Now when he says, by the love of the Spirit, what does that mean? It teaches that Paul's readers were to strive together with him in prayer for himself on the basis of the divine love produced by the Spirit and the believer. What he's saying is, if you love me, pray for me. One of the manifestations that you know that you're in fellowship with God is you pray. You pray for your brothers and sisters in Christ. In fact, you pray for your enemies. Jesus on the cross, didn't he say, Father, forgive them, they know not what they do. Prayer... And prayer for enemies and prayer for each other is a mark of a, one of the marks of a Christian. Because a praying Christian, a Christian who prays for his pastor and his fellow believers, and other churches too, and other pastors too you should pray for. And it's showing that you love the body of Christ. It's showing you love the Lord who's the head. So prayer is so very important. We can't do anything as a church without prayer. We're cooked without prayer. So by the love of this, for instance, right now I want you all to remember this. With Don, with his, with his, with the problem with the stroke, all of you to pray. Hey, there's a general Boykin. If you get that, that CD out there, if it's still out there, t- Titus, pick up that. That guy who was a uh, who was work, went out and was in Grenada. He was uh, in Mogadishu, this man, and he had he he had lost his he had uh, his uh, doctor, one of his medics. Had got shot and they thought he was dead. In fact, the nurse—he was holding on to the guy's hand. He said, "Hang on, hang on, hang on." And the guy was about to—the guy—they had—he was basically, basically his, the doctor was dead, and it was his friend. And he's like, "No, he's not going to die." And he just kept on praying, you know, "Father, in Jesus' name, save this guy. Don't let him die. Don't let him die." Wouldn't let go. The nurse was saying, "Get away from his hand. Let go of his hand. He's dead." No, he's not. He came back to life. Now he's serving somewhere else. This doctor. What gave this? Brought this guy back? Prayer. What's going to bring back John uh, John to health? Prayer. Prayer. What what heals? Prayer. This is what he's talking about. You love me, pray for me. That's what by the love of the Spirit says. On that basis of the love produced by the Holy Spirit, pray for me. Now when he says strive together, here's here's something we need to also know about as a church. This word, strive together in the original, sinagonizamah. It means to fight along with somebody. Not against each other, but with each other, against the common enemy. Who's our enemy? The kingdom of darkness is probably looking in right now. Satan is prowling around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. Looking to get one of us up, to take us, one of us out. We're under attack, people. We're in a fight. We're in a war. So this word, when it says to strive together, it means to fight along together with and it's used with reference to intercessory prayer emphasizing with Paul's readers that they must identify with him in prayer assuming his person as though he were in his place. So, I'm to look at you and, pray, and whatever I know what you might be going through. For instance, Don. This is a perfect example. Don with his situation. I'm to pray as if I was in his boots and his shoes. That's how this is what this word's talking about. It's talking about in context, Paul, the Roman believer's putting themselves in Paul's place, he's in a dangerous position, and pray for him. Pray, love, your, prayer should be an expression of loving your neighbor as yourself. How would you want people to pray? How would you want to be prayed for? If it was you, it was in Don's place. Or Paul saying, if you're in my place, I want you to do this, fight together with me. That means it's a struggle sometimes to pray. It's sometimes a war and a conflict. And there's always someone, something, it seems, that, always trying to distract us. But learn what Jesus did. Go up in a mountaintop before anything's around and do that. Quick prayers are good. When you're at work, pray at work. I used to do it all the time. If you're in a bad situation, throw up a quick prayer. That, this General Boykin, that's what he did. He used to pray in the midst of combat. That's what King David did. We're in a fight, and this is what this talks about. Now, Romans 15.31 reveals that the Romans were to fight along with Paul in intercessory prayer for him so that he might be delivered from those in Judea who were disobedient to the gospel, they were also to pray that his service on behalf of the Jewish believers in Jerusalem might be acceptable. And then in verse 32 he reveals that they were to also pray that he would be, by the will of the Father, enter into their fellowship and re- refreshed by their company. Look at verse 30 again. Look at Romans 15:30. He says, "Now I urge you, brethren, by our Lord Jesus Christ, and by the love of the Spirit." to strive together with me in your prayers to God for me. Why? Here's the content. I want to be delivered from enemies, that I may be rescued from those who are disobedient in Judea. They sought to kill him. Acts 22 says the Roman military came and delivered Paul. That prayer was answered. Why do they want to take out Paul? Because of what he does. He teaches the word of God. Why, would they, why do I say that the pastor's got a bullseye on his back? Because of what he does. Thus, we need to pray for your pastor that I might be rescued from those who were disobedient in Judea, that my service for Jerusalem may be acceptable to the saints. You want success in your jobs? You want success in your businesses? You want success in the church? Pray. There it is. Look, talks about if you want success? you got to pray. Look at verse 32. So that I might come to you in joy by the will of God and find refreshing rest in your company. Now, Paul's well aware that Satan and the kingdom of darkness would like for him to be killed in Jerusalem and that the Jewish believers in Jerusalem would not find his service on their behalf acceptable and that he would not arrive in Rome and head for Spain after that. Why does why he want Paul dead? Communicates the gospel. Why is that a bad thing, stopping to communicate the gospel? Hello? People get evangelized. People go up, grow up to spiritual maturity that are believers. People do the will of God. The kingdom of God is advanced in the devil's world through the communication of the word of God and the application of it. Paul does, Satan doesn't want Paul to evangelize Spain. Why would he want people in Spain who were the heathen to hear about Christ? He wants to kill that too. That's the, that's the, the doctrinal ministries are the ones that are under attack with teaching the word of God. Not the apostate churches who don't teach the word of God, that do the dog and pony show. The ones that are teaching the word of God that are serious about it because that's the ministries that do the damage. Because that's the ministries that go out and get the gospel out to people and get information out there for the body of Christ for them to grow to spiritual maturity so that they can be protected from false doctrine so that they can perform the work of service for the saints. When he says, in your prayers to God, in verse 30, he says, now I urge you, brethren, by the Lord Jesus Christ and by the love of the Spirit, to strive together with me in your prayers to God for me. In your prayers to God indicates... Excuse me, that Paul is appealing to his readers to fight together with him by means of their intercessory prayers. Intercessory means you're praying for somebody else. So he's saying that prayer is an instrument that will give him success and deliver him from the enemies. God uses prayer of men to do his will. Think about that. God accomplishes will, his will on the earth through prayer, the prayers of the saints. God defeats Satan on his own turf through the prayers of the saints. And prayer is always you speaking back to God his will. And where's his will found? In the Bible. So the more you know of God's word, the greater and more productive and destructive to the kingdom of darkness is your prayer life. For me, Mark's Paul is benefiting from the intercessory prayers of the Romans. And Paul had no qualms with asking about prayer. Romans fifteen thirty, Paul says, Now I appeal to each and every one of you, spiritual brothers and sisters, without exception, on the basis of the common relationship we share with our Lord, namely Jesus, who is the Christ, as well as on the basis of the divine love, which is produced by the Spirit, to fight together with me by means of your prayers in the presence of God the Father on behalf of me. Notice in the translation, my translation, when you're in prayer and in fellowship, You're in the presence of the Father because you sit at the right hand of the Father. Remember? Ephesians 2, we've been raised and seated with Christ. What is that, the implication? God's looking at you as seated seated right beside him where his son sits. He looks at you as he looks at his son, crucified, died, buried, raised and seated with him. So when you pray and you're in fellowship with God and you're praying, he's hearing every word you say and he's answering it. And you can't doubt that. And you need to pray according to his will. And more success in your prayer comes when you know what God's will is. And you know God's will through his, the learning his word and applying it. Now, this verse, as we close, is not the only place in Paul's writing where he requests that his readers enter into prayer on his behalf. Paul says in Ephesians 6.19 from the Net Bible Translation, Pray for me also, that I may be given the message when I begin to speak, that I may confidently make known the mystery of the gospel. If you could please pray that I, the application, that I could speak boldly and confidently the mystery of the gospel in this church. Please pray for me on that. Colossians four two, be devoted to prayer people. That's a command. Keeping alert in it with thanksgiving. Keeping alert for who? For each other. We're on the battlefield, guys. What do they do in Iraq when they're in combat? In Afghanistan? You got a buddy. You're, the guy next to you is your best friend. You, that's why these guys go back and do three, four hours of duty because they become attached to each other. They don't want to leave their friends behind. They've grown attached to each other. They look out for each other. That's the thing, the first thing they teach you in boot camp is to look out for each other. Get a buddy. And that's the way we're to be. To look out for each other is what he's saying. Keeping alert in it in prayer with thanksgiving. Alert for each other. Who's going through something? Pray for them. Don't complain. Pray. Pray. He says, be devoted in prayer, keeping alert with thanksgiving. And look what he says in verse 3 as we close. At the same time, pray for us too, Paul and his friends, that God may open a door for the message so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I am in chains. Application, pray that God would open up a door for this church, this ministry, to get, proclaim the mystery of Christ. Open up a door. Doors open for churches through prayer. The power of prayer can change the world, can change what we're, fa- what we're facing. It can bring blessing to ourselves, our church, but it also brings blessing to our periphery, our towns, our country, the nation, the world. And prayer, he says, I want you to pray so the gospel can get out. Open up a door. Maybe there's a door. And, you know, and we got people from Pakistan and, and, and people from other parts of Muslim nations. For them to listen to us and to have our materials is a dangerous thing, people. Some of them have these things. In some places like Nigeria, there's some places that Nigeria is under a lot of problems politically. It's a dangerous thing to be a Christian. Pray that God will break down those doors. We do it with true prayer, our spiritual artillery. Well, you've been a great audience. Let's close in prayer. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for this time to study your word, and we pray that the Holy Spirit would speak to each individual and all of us as a church. We just thank you, Father, for listening to all of our prayers and answering us when we pray according to your will. We thank you, Father, for gracing us out and treating us in a manner that we don't deserve. And we thank you for this message that you've delivered from the Spirit to all of us. And we just pray, Father, we could Find blessing from it and find the application as the Spirit guides us. Does anyone here that hasn't believed in Jesus Christ or is hearing my voice on the Internet? I'm here to tell you that God so loved the world that He gave His uniquely born Son that whoever believes in Him shall never perish but have eternal life. For the Father did not send the Son into the world to judge the world but that the world might be saved through Him. You have a volition, a free will, and you could say to God in your own words that you're believing in His Son, Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is both God and man. He died on the cross for your sins and was raised from the dead. You believe in that, and you believe in His Son, Jesus Christ, you're going to heaven. It's as simple as that. Faith alone and Christ alone. But no one can make that choice for you. It's only you and God. You can make that choice in response to God's love gift of His Son. So we pray that you would make that right decision. Again, Father, we thank you for those who are here this morning, who have come out this morning to hear the Word of God. And we pray that they would be blessed by the message. In our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ's name, amen. Could our ushers come forward for the Sunday morning offering, please? And Trent, could you come up for prayer?
0: Okay, let's bow our heads and prepare for the offering. Father, we pray that this offering will be given out of love and appreciation for you and your Son, Jesus Christ, for all that you have done for us. Father, we thank you for those who take part in giving, as well as those who continue to offer their time and talent to meet the needs of this ministry. Thank you for the blessings and answered prayers of this church, allowing us to meet our daily needs and to continue to provide the gospel message to the world. Thank you, Father, for those in our service this morning and for our extended congregation for their faithfulness and dedication to this ministry. In the name of our Lord and Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen.
2: There's a God who's been faithful to me When my strength was all gone When my heart had no song Still in love, He's proved faithful to me Every word he's promised is true What I thought was impossible I've seen my God do He's been faithful, faithful to me I'm looking back His love and mercy I see Though in my heart I have questioned even failed to believe Yet He's been faithful Faithful me when my heart looked away though many times I could not pray still my God he was faithful to me The days I spent so selfishly Reaching out for what pleased me Even then God was faithful to me And every time I come back to Him I see him waiting with his open arms, and I know once again. Oh, 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 in my heart I have questioned Even failed to believe Yet he's been faithful, faithful Oh, in my heart I have questioned In faithful, faithful to me. He's faithful, he is faithful. 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 faithful.